Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're asking the question, is passive income a myth? Joel, I am so excited for us to tackle this concept of passive income. It's something that you and I that we are striving towards, and we have to a certain extent ourselves personally. Uh, but it's something too that I feel like is uh, that we hear more often, like when in social media, you hear it being talked about. It's something that you can easily attain some passive income in your life. Kind of sounds like a maybe a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's just like how can I automate money? I want money coming towards me uh, with very little effort. Uh, and so don't, I'm glad. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that we're gonna we've dedicated an entire episode to talking about how passive income is a legit, a true, honest thing and uh, in, in, in the ways where maybe it's it's a little more shady or that it's just not true exactly to the way it's being marketed or, or, or sold to folks. Yeah, I think sometimes when we talk about passive income, people, at least I think of like the leprechaun and the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And that's kind of how the passive income conversation feels to me at times. I'm like, okay, uh, this video or this, this article is going to teach me how to make passive income in just a few minutes. It's going to be it's going to be so simple. And yet at the end of the day, there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow <laughs> and you're, you're sold a bill of goods that isn't actually true. So we're going to try to kind of actually talk about what is true about passive income yes. and what's not true. Separate the myth from the reality here. That's but. right. Yeah. But first, dude, I wanted to talk about coffee, uh, you know, and I've everybody who listens to the show knows that I like Aldi. Dude, we save so much money by getting our groceries there at Aldi. Uh, and in particular, we've been fans of the whole bean coffee that you can get there, uh, specifically the Peruvian blend. And of course, you know, you and me are opposites. I get my coffee at Costco. <laughs> That's so. right. Yeah, which is totally fine. Uh, but dude, lately, I feel like the Aldi coffee hasn't been cutting it for me. Uh, recently, Kate brought home a pound of some local coffee. Well, it's sold locally, but it's like a, it's an Ethiopian blend. Dude. 
It is so good, so much better than the uh, the cheaper stuff that I get at Aldi that I'm not sure that we're going to be able to go back and continue buying the, the cheapo Aldi beans. Uh, but the problem is, is it costs more. And I don't know how, I don't know if our budget can absorb that increase in cost, right? So at Aldi, it's like four or five bucks for a pound. Uh, this new coffee costs 10 bucks a pound. I'm, I'm looking to double the amount of money I'm spending on my coffee. Uh, how much, so the stuff you buy at Costco, how much do you spend? Do I you think, know? yeah, usually it's about a little over five bucks a pound. I think it's eleven dollars okay. for a two pound bag. And you like it, right? I mean, it's, it works well for y'all. Yeah, it's good. I, I don't have like highfalutin taste when it comes to coffee. I, I like my coffee to be run of the mill, average. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what I've enjoyed up until now. But until I've had a taste of the good stuff, like once you and, taste it, yes. Yeah. And now, now that we've kind of gone back to our, our standard Aldi stuff, I'm trying to decide whether or not it's worth it to me. And you know, this is one of those areas where I feel like. If I continue buying the cheap stuff, it f- it's going to feel cheap to me, and I can literally taste a huge difference between uh, the Aldi stuff versus this nicer Ethiopian blend. Uh, and so I-, I guess I'm mentioning it because I think we are going to just budget for it. We're going to plan for it because this is something that Kate and I are both appreciating. It's something that we can tell the difference. Uh, we appreciate the nicer stuff, and honestly, in the end, you know, we're looking at increasing our coffee budget by you know five dollars a pound, roughly. On one hand, it feels extravagant, but on the other hand, I'm like, okay, come on, this is not a big deal. Leave it to money nerds like us, right, to uh, to obsess over something so small. But I guess my question for you is, uh, is would you judge me for uh, <laughs> for effectively doubling my coffee budget? Not at all. Okay. Actually, yeah, no, I, th- I think you're you should totally go for it, man. You should spend a little bit more on this thing. And I think coffee is one of those things that in your life, literally every day <laughs> of the year, and if you can thoroughly enjoy your cup of coffee versus just kind of yeah uh, mildly enjoying your cup of coffee in the morning i think that extra what 10 bucks a month in your budget i'm sure you can find a way to cut back 10 bucks in some other in some other part of your budget in order to be able to pay for nicer coffee uh or find a way to earn 10 extra dollars <laughs> you know <laughs> by giving a lift ride or something to somebody <laughs> yeah well, i guess i wanted to share that because i want folks to know in, in a sense i want to give individuals out there permission to spend money towards the things that truly like bring you joy or, or you know bring you value but just know that you can't spend money on every single thing out there. Like you can't upgrade everything in your life. But in this case, I think we are going to spend a little bit more every month on coffee. Yeah, sometimes ignorance is bliss when it comes to oh saving money in your budget. <laughs> like, yeah. I wish I would have never had it because I think I would have been totally fine with the Aldi coffee. That's the way I feel about the nicer new pizza joint we've been, in, <laughs> you know, hitting up sometimes these days. And I truly love it. Like it's delicious pizza. It's really good. It's really expensive. And now when I go back to the other neighborhood joint, I'm like. Yeah, it's 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 good. <laughs> uh, it's it's fine. The inferior pizza. Yeah, but I wouldn't have thought that before until yeah. I tasted the super good stuff. That's yeah, so true, man. It's, it's kind of one of those things that happens every once in a while. Sometimes and you we have to put blinders on. Yeah, in you, order to stay the course. Ex- right? Exactly, <laughs> like a horse in a race. But but I hope you enjoy your new coffee, my friend. Thanks, man. But let's move on. Mention the beer that we're having on this episode. The reason we have a beer every episode is because that is a place we choose to put our money on purpose. We like craft beer a whole lot. The beer that we're drinking on today's episode is called Radix. It's by Halfway Crooks, which is a brewery in our neighborhood that we absolutely love. So looking They're forward best. To, to drinking this Pilsner with you, man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the subject at hand. We are asking the question, is passive income a myth on today's episode? And Matt, when we were kind of deciding how to tackle this topic, uh, it made me think about relationships. And I feel like, <laughs> I don't know why passive income and relationships, they don't necessarily go hand in hand. Like but, you and me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I was thinking more uh, about like a, a love relationship. And I feel like the messaging that we often get is that finding the right one is the hard part, right? Once you find the right one and settle down, you're good to go and life is easy from there on out. Now that you've got that perfect partner, things are smooth uh, for you in life. And, and when you find the person that you can truly be yourself with, it is a gift. Like I'm not trying to right. diminish true love. I think I think it's really good. And I uh, am in love with my wife and I'm thankful for our relationship. But still, even when you make a lifelong commitment to someone else that fits you like a glove, it, it really does still take work to keep that love alive and to stay deeply connected to one another. You know this, Matt, you've been married for what? Yeah, dude, it'll be 14 uh, this year. Nice. Okay. And I feel like this is a great analogy for passive income because passive income sounds so easy and similar to you know a great relationship. It's not that passive income isn't a great thing. It is. But passive income also takes work. So yeah, in this episode, we're going to try and give an accurate definition of what passive income looks like and then the best avenues for pursuing it. And maybe, just maybe, along the way, Matt, you're going to sprinkle in some relationships 
of advice? I feel like you've probably got a lot to offer on that front. Well, yeah. I mean, relationships like passive income requires a little tender love and care, right? But uh, I don't, yeah, I don't have any tips. I will say Kate and I started dating when I was a senior uh, and she was a freshman in college. And so all I'm saying is like, use the strengths that you have going for you. <laughs> so obviously Kate liked the older guys. <laughs> so it worked out for me. And, and you know, when you know you found the right person, uh, stick with it like you did. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to, f- I've already mentioned on the show before, 15 years next year. I feel like that's going to be a huge milestone, not to discount 14. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like in the same way that relationships, you know, continue to require that that input and that, that attention, almost all of the quote unquote passive income opportunities that we hear about, these are maybe the ones, you know, getting all the views on social media. They also require a, a meaningful degree of work. And so a better term, I think, to use instead of passive income is probably uh, leveraged income. You know, there are very few purely passive sources of income. And so that's why we are you know, dispelling the myth that there's a source of passive income around every corner, <laughs> right? Like you aren't missing out on the passive income that everyone else is enjoying because it doesn't exist. There's nowhere you can go and sign up for, for free money. Most of these opportunities could probably be considered a side gig or even a part-time job or even a full-time job. We'll get to some of those scenarios later on in the episode. Yeah. I think sometimes when we're talking about passive income, there is that FOMO. People are like, I feel like everybody's like making this passive income. Right. I see it out there online. Where's my passive income? <laughs> and, and like, Where's so the golden ticket. E- exactly. But yeah. a, a lot of what's considered passive income isn't necessarily passive. Uh, and, and I like what you said, Matt, about leveraged income. I think it's a better way to think about it. You know, we'll continue to use the phrase passive income in this episode, but leverage is really an important part of this equation. To gain passive income, you're often putting in more time and effort now to reap greater rewards later on in your financial life. But the reason people are so desirous of generating passive income streams is that it's better to have your money working for you than to have to work for your money decade after decade after decade, right? Sometimes five decades of work. And at some point you want passive income to kind of help carry some of that load. Making money while you're asleep sounds pretty phenomenal, but generating regular income that doesn't come via a paycheck from your employer takes intentionality, takes sacrifice, and takes the ability to delay gratification. Yeah, it takes work, essentially, is what you're saying. And sometimes the understanding that it takes effort to generate passive income, that gets lost in the discussion about how to get there. To be able to make money without lifting a finger isn't something that I've ever experienced, but often that is the passive income pitch that we hear. Uh, even to make money, you know, based on what you know, like that takes a lot of dedication and, and getting that knowledge just in the in the first place. You know, it takes uh, quite a bit of time to see any meaningful passive income. You're, you're not going to build three passive income streams, you know, just in the, the course of a few days. Even just amassing the knowledge to know which route to take, like that alone can require a ton of reading, uh, a ton of information gathering. And implementation of that knowledge doesn't happen quickly either. Yeah. So you mentioned that it takes time to see meaningful passive income. Yeah. It, it's not something that's done quickly, which is true. And also too, it takes trial and error on that front to see which passive income routes work well for you. You might think that one route is going to make sense and you might decide, no, that's actually not in my wheelhouse. I need to check something else out. It also takes money to build up any sort of passive income stream. All of the different passive income streams that we're going to discuss today take varying amounts of money to get into. So like the down payment on your first uh, rental property, well, that requires quite a bit of cash. Starting a blog, though, isn't going to take nearly as much money to get going, uh, of course. But to start earning income that flows while you sleep, it often takes money in addition to hard work. Uh, It takes a little bit of both, sometimes a lot of both. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And different sources of passive income are going to have varying degrees of time and work involved, right? At a very elementary level, passive income can literally you know, be as simple as having money in a savings account and earning interest. Uh, Although that's not going to earn you much. uh, Especially these days. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that method could, you know, just take a few bucks and virtually none of your time. It's super simple, super easy. Uh, Or on the other hand, Passive income could be as complex as building uh, this massive business with you know hundreds of employees that you eventually are able to step away from. This is an example of a form of passive income that's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money. And of course, you know there are different approaches to passive income all along the way in between those two extremes. And so we're going to cover some different methods of passive income uh, that are, that are going to kind of run the gamut between those two extremes. Yeah. So let's start kind of maybe on the easy end of the spectrum and let's, let's hit the easy 
easy button. <laughs> Talk about one of the <laughs> simplest ways to make passive income. And I'm gonna, this one, I'm going to admit, this first one that we're going to throw out there, is, it's a little bit random. It's uh, <laughs> it's not one that you're going to see touted in most of the YouTube videos. But uh, yeah, one way that you could make money is just using an asset that you already have. And you can generate passive income by doing the actions that you're already doing, but doing them in a different way. And wrapping your car in an advertisement is actually the easiest way, I would say, to do that. It's actually something, Matt, that I have done You've before. personally done this. That's right. <laughs> it's the <laughs> easiest way I've ever made money doing the thing I was already doing, right? So I had to have the car. It's, it's just slightly embarrassing <laughs> it, to your wife. To some, yeah, to my <laughs> wife. Not to me. I didn't care. But some people would be more embarrassed than others about it. I have no sense of shame. Um, but yeah, I already had the car and I was driving it already to work on some days and around town on other days. And so making money without having to really change up anything in my daily routine was pretty nice. Yeah. Um, it's a chill way to make some extra dough. And the company I went through was called Rapify, and they're still around. And And I will say too, there are lots of scams when it comes to car wrapping. So you want to be careful which company you go with. But Rapify, we'll link to it in the show notes, is a legit one. Could be a good way for a lot of people to make hundreds of extra dollars every month um, literally by driving the miles they were already driving. Yeah. So that's a cool way of making passive income without having to put in too much effort. Also too, running out that car that you aren't using is another way to score a bit of passive income in your life. Cars are idle, Matt, somewhere close to 95% of the time, especially these days if we're working from home. A lot of us have been using our cars way less than we used to. And so why not turn that car that's sitting there idle into some passive income? And you can do that at a site like Toro, where you can rent out your own car for other people to use, um, and you can make some decent money doing that. That's right. Yeah, that's super easy. Although, I guess there's a difference between Rapify and Turo, right? With Turo, it does take a little more managing you know, of your vehicle, making sure it's maintained, making sure it's in the right place at the right time, right? Responding to people who are trying to book yeah, your car, too. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, truly, Rapify, I mean, you didn't change anything about, <laughs> about what you're doing, except for having to go and get it wrapped and then taking it back there once the campaign was over, yep, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, similar to Turo, where you're renting out your vehicle that you already own, Baby Quip is another example of this. Uh, and you know we've mentioned this on the show before, but you can make money by renting out baby equipment that you already own that you aren't using. <laughs> so if you've got like that extra uh, pack and play <laughs> sitting there in the closet, why not put it to use? Uh, so using assets that you already own more efficiently, that can be a really easy way uh, to kind of generate some passive income. But we're going to talk about the pros and cons of other passive income methods, ones that have the potential to generate way more money. Uh, and we'll get to those right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. 
Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash money. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back. We're going to keep talking about passive income, and it's our goal to point you in the right direction for how you can make money on your money or on the items you already have or with the skills that you already have without selling you a bill of goods that isn't actually real. Um, and so, Matt, let's talk about probably our favorite method of passive income, investing in the market is is one of the best ways for anyone to get started building up an eventual source of passive income in their lives. That's what saving for retirement's all about, right? Saving in, in your 401k, your 403b, or your IRA. You know, Some folks attempt to take a more active role when it comes to investing, uh, picking individual stocks, making frequent trades, but that's really the opposite of passive income. That sounds like work. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. <laughs> you're having to figure out uh, which company you think is is going to perform well over the next six months, year, two years, and allocate your investments accordingly. But you know, you and I, we actually pursue the truly passive dollar cost averaging buy and hold strategy that truly takes almost zero mental bandwidth. Like the time that it takes for us to invest is almost nothing. And I do appreciate that about investing in the market. But even if you're all about finding multiple ways to pursue passive income, like you want to get involved in some of the other things we're going to talk about uh, on this episode today, investing in the market is one route that we believe that basically everyone should be participating in. It's uh, one of the simplest methods to building a passive income stream that will fund decades of your future expenses later in life even if you start with just a really small portion of your income going in that direction, um, it doesn't take a whole lot of cash, but the, those little amounts of cash over a, a large number of years are going to have just this incredible impact in your ability to have passive income in your later years in life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, investing your money in the market. It's, it's really the only way to have a truly passive source of income. But you know, it does require a lot of money in order to eventually generate enough money uh, in interest to live on, right? So, for example, if you have uh, the the typical expenses of an average American, that means you have around $60,000 in expenses, right? And using some quick math, we know that by multiplying that amount by 25, you'll have a good idea of how much you'll need to have invested in order to live off that nest egg. And so in this example, if you multiply 25 by 60,000, that leads to $1.5 million dollars. That is a lot of money. <laughs> that's, that sounds daunting. <laughs> it is, dude. Yeah, but and that's why it often takes an entire working career in order to have enough saved to become financially independent. But it is easy in that it doesn't take much research. Index funds, that's all you need to know. But it does take a long time to get there, but because it doesn't require much money upfront, and it's something that you can easily get into, and it doesn't require that specialized knowledge or time, it's something that everybody can take part in. 
Yeah, so investing in the market is almost like Rapify level, almost car wrapping level simple. Uh, it, it just takes the money uh, and the dedication to continue putting that money in consistently. Yes. Uh, all right, let's talk about some other ways, Matt, that people can make passive income in their lives. One of the ways that's often touted is affiliate marketing. It's supposed to be a fairly easy method. It's pre- uh, pretty huge online. You hear people talking about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, hey, uh, start a blog and pop in some affiliate links and you're, you're going to start developing passive income in no time, like overnight, right? And um, and so, yeah, I think this is one of the things maybe that's over-promised. And anybody that's actually tried doing this realizes that it's much harder than it seems, right? The way this works is, is that businesses will pay you a commission for sending customers their way. Uh, a lot of different sites rely on affiliate marketing. Like they're getting sales when bloggers link to them and then, you know, readers click through to make a purchase. That's right. And, and while this is a legit way to make money, starting a blog, finding your tribe of readers, you gotta have enough readers to actually make it make it worthwhile to actually get click throughs and and see sales. Yeah, if it's just your mom clicking through, that's not gonna generate <laughs> enough income. No, <laughs> that passive income might be like a dollar, you know, and that's not gonna that's not gonna do it for She's you. She's like, hey, honey, let me just take you out to lunch. Like, I'm not gonna click the link. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even cover the hosting fees, right? <laughs> so it's true. Yeah, not not worthwhile. But yeah, it's it's just not as easy as it sounds, and as easy as some of the the folks on YouTube make it sound. So yeah, generating income online is much more complex and competition for page views is stiff online. You really have to learn a lot, develop a good uh, niche online, and then be able to actually attract the readers that are going to be able to support your endeavor. You say niche, I say niche. I know. (laughs) I don't know which one. I think I go back and forth. Well, let's talk about writing a book, right? Because self-publishing a book is often another way to pursue passive income. And many times that blog that we just talked about, that is used as a way to market that book. Uh, But just remember that getting the knowledge, actively writing the book, marketing, uh, touring, interviews associated with promoting your book. I don't know about you. But <laughs> this all sounds like a lot of work to that me. That does not sound like passive income. It does not sound like you're just kicking back in a hammock after <laughs> right. having like come up with a good idea. And so, you know, while it may not require a lot of money in order to publish a book uh, or to get your blog going, it does take a fair amount of time on the front end in order to start realizing some of that income. Yeah. Ask anybody who's ever self-published a book. I've never heard anyone say, that was simple. That was easy. And I crushed it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not that you can't make money publishing a book. Um, it's just that it's not really a form of passive income in our minds. It really, truly is a form of work. And it's a form of like what we talked about earlier, leveraged work. Sometimes you can write a book and it can sell for years to come. You can make money for a long time on that book. In all likelihood, though, for most people, it's just not a lot of money that they're going to be making. True. Um, and, and Matt, let's talk about uh, podcasts here for a second. Let's get a little meta with it. That's a, another thing that people point to these days as a way to make passive income. Yeah, they're like, Joel and Matt do it. Why can't I? It's so simple. And they just kick back in their hammocks. And, and so, yeah. They're just sitting there drinking beer. I will be honest. If Which we, is true. If I we mean, can do it, then other people definitely can do it because we're not the smartest guys in the world or maybe even in this room. There's not other people in this room, so. I know. <laughs> There's nobody watching us. Uh, but it takes work and that's what we're that's what we're talking about here right but obviously podcast super popular these days and uh, a lot of people are churning out new shows like there's no tomorrow the amount of new podcasts on the scene has skyrocketed over the past few years but uh, just because you get an idea for a show doesn't mean that you'll be able to generate any income from it right uh, we just saw a recent stat matt 26 percent of the 2 million podcasts that are available to listen to um, via apple podcasts and then you know through the, all the other podcatchers uh, accordingly they only have a single episode so uh, one episode. One episode. <laughs> and then there's a huge percentage that have fewer than 10 episodes. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that give it a shot that put out a few episodes and try to see what sticks, but they don't find much traction in the beginning. And so they quit pretty quickly. So that's a really high number of folks who don't keep it up after they get started. And it's obviously a relatively cheap medium to get into. It's not that expensive to start a podcast. And I think we've talked about on the show, we literally have $400 worth of equipment. The hosting when we initially started out was like, Ten dollars a month. I think it was free for the first three free, months. Free, yeah, because we didn't have enough. We didn't have enough content. <laughs> yeah, or, or listeners. And so, um, yeah, it's and we still use the same equipment that we used back then. Exactly. Granted, the room is different, and we, you know, we have soundproofing and you know ways to acoustically treat the space. But literally, we are using the same microphones and the same uh, little Zoom recorder right here. That's true. It's kind of ridiculous. So yeah, obviously, yeah, uh, people might hear that and be like, okay, cool, it's a few hundred bucks. I can get into it and start making money too. Low overhead. But podcasts <laughs> similar to uh, 
you know, affiliate marketing with a blog or writing a book, it takes a lot of work to create yeah. something that people actually want to listen to and to reach the audience that you're trying to reach. Yeah. And of course, you know, the way that we generate income from the from the podcast are from the ads that you hear. Uh, but even with a super small listener base, it's, it's now possible to make money. Uh, and you can do that via platforms like Anchor, like literally on their website. And I, I, wrote, I wrote this down. It says that you can, quote unquote, create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free. Uh, <laughs> like, it's crazy. Like, it, they almost make it sound like, like because it says all for free, I think the the trick is that they make you think that, oh, that first part, even creating it, like, that's going to be free. Like, it's almost like it's automatic. But no, like, it does take hard work. Uh, and in addition to that, you know, some shows have gone the route of getting, like, support directly from listeners via sites like, you know, Patreon. But again, it's important to note that you know putting out great content consistently, it's not easy, uh, and it's hard to consider this business model as passive income. You know, it's 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 literally our job. It's what we do. It's not <laughs> something that we're, uh, you know, doing without hardly even thinking about it. True, podcasting for us takes a lot of thought uh, and a lot of time. But let's talk about another another way that you could potentially make some passive income online, and and maybe let's see if this one is is a little bit better. Uh, similar to running a site or a blog or self publishing a book or a podcast, there are plenty of other platforms out there that allow for you to create a course online that you can sell. And platforms like Udemy and Coursera are specifically there for you to be able to upload some of those courses and, and make some side money. You upload that course once and hopefully those residual passive income dollars just keep flowing your way right let me see those royalties <laughs> yeah dude royalties <laughs> sounds so nice it sounds right? so good yeah. I, because it's royalty and so yeah. it makes you think that like oh no, no, that's just money. That's, that's, that's not, it's nothing beyond just money. But because it's called royalties, it has this appeal. It makes me feel like I'm a king or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or at least a prince. Yeah, it makes me want to write some sort of like hit pop song or something like that for Taylor Swift. And then, you know, collect some of those roy- royalties. But you, sh- you should. Okay. I'll I can s- see her performing a song that you wrote. I, uh, I've never written a song before, but maybe I'll give it a go. <laughs> see if I can get that passive income from royalties. But let's get back to online courses. And, and it is fascinating to see people who are able to monetize their unique wisdom, insight, their personality, or, or even their basic but practical knowledge. We all have access to so much incredible knowledge these days that we previously couldn't access without paying money to go to college or spending years getting advanced degrees. And online courses have made that more of a reality. Like what we can learn now for free is just incredible, but people are getting paid in order yeah. to disseminate that information. And so, that, yeah, it's cool to see that some people are making passive income yes. that way. And it, I mean, it's no wonder that folks are willing to pay for that because you get to learn about something completely niche, like I like to say, niche <laughs> for very little money. Who wouldn't spend five or 20 bucks uh, to learn how to do something completely unique? Right? I still want to take that Aaron Franklin uh, barbecue masterclass. Oh. It's going to happen one of these days. Well, masterclass, that's uh, a bit more. That, is, uh, <laughs> that does cost a little more, yeah. <laughs> We'd have to go in and split that one, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, when it comes to online courses, the argument goes something like that of writing your own book, right? Just figure out what you want to teach or what it is that you want to communicate to others once, and then you can kick back while the profits start showing up the royalties <laughs> the royalties if it was that easy then everybody would be doing it and so you know, realize that it can take years of work years of research and planning before you're able to have a product that, that the folks are going to be willing to pay for uh, and so you know while these knowledge-based methods of passive income don't require much money to, to get things off the ground they're going to take a lot more time and energy before they can be considered uh, passive income it's, it's making me realize too Joel like I mean all of these things that we've that we're talking about here are different platforms that are that have very low bars of entry right it, they make it really convenient for you to get plugged in and you're trying the thing out but they don't do the work for you they make getting started easy but they don't necessarily make being uh, successful easy like you still have to put in the hard work they get their foot in the door and then the rest it's still up to you and I think that's why for instance with podcasts low barrier to entry you're gonna see a lot of podcasts that have only one episode they're gonna be a lot of people who are who have a, an account on uber because they tried out being a driver once it's very easy to try it out once but beyond that it's up to you to follow through and to put in that hard work. Yeah, man, I love what you said too about how it might take years to become viable and to to make one of these products sticky <laughs> to where yeah. you can actually make money from it. And and I think that's true. I think there's a big learning curve to a lot of these platforms, even though they are uh, super simple to get started. Like 
what you put together, what you package, what you offer to the world. That's the thing that takes time to craft right. um, and to grow your knowledge base to where people actually want to, to tune in and check out what you're putting out there into the world. So of all the ones we've covered so far, investing in the stock market is the easiest route to oh, yeah. passive income, although it takes a while. But there are other ways, including we got to talk about real estate, Matt, because that is one of the most effective routes to building up passive income. We'll get to that and more right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at yeah, the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. 
All right, we are back from the break in Joel. Up until now, uh, you know the examples that we've covered are, are pretty easy to get started. They uh, mostly require a little bit of money uh, and a good amount of work, you know. And luckily, a lot of those platforms make it easier to get kind of get plugged in and to get started. But let's crank things up a little bit. If you're uh, really looking to increase your your income, specifically your passive income, getting into rental real estate is an example that will take quite a bit of upfront work, uh, right? Like every real estate investor I know makes uh, a good rookie mistake here or there, or even twenty <laughs> or so. We've all uh, anybody who's gotten into real estate has made yes. some mistakes, and and they cost you money and time and a lot of like some, some headache, hair pulling. Yeah. yeah, but eventually, right over time, rental properties can become one of the best ways to earn residual, uh, mostly passive income. Uh, I know I'm happy with my hourly rates (laughs) as a real estate investor. In particular, though, to make real estate truly passive over time involves acquiring uh, a handful of properties and getting to the point where you can turn them over to a property management company. That, at that point, is when it becomes purely passive. Yeah, you you and I, we're uh, mom and pop landlords and we still manage our own properties. And so there is work involved when it comes to that. Um, But I will say... It is more passive if we're talking about a scale of passivity, which which you kind of mentioned at the beginning of the episode. It is more passive than almost any other way that I make money at this That's point right. in time besides the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think real estate is a good way to make passive income over time. But like you said, yeah, the way to make it the most passive is to have somebody else manage that property for you. That eats into the profits, though. That's so. right. Well, and like you said, though, you say anytime you say mom and pop landlords... Or real estate investors, it makes me think of like an old farmer like pulling up to the house with like a straw hat and a like old beat up pickup truck. <laughs> I like to. I, I like, don't know. I don't know why it makes me think that, but I like to have my corn cob pipe in my mouth when I, you know, run by my my property to check it out. Neither you or I have pickup trucks. I'll say that. <laughs> True. Although I would love to have like a, just an old small like little Toyota pickup truck just to be able to throw stuff in the back. Oh, dude, I would love that. They're pretty sweet, dude. Yeah, I, I kind of still want a Rivian electric pickup truck <laughs> one of these days. Like yeah. the, opposite <laughs> the opposite of an old Toyota small Toyota pickup truck. You want like, like the, literally uh, the fanciest, <laughs> most expensive one they make <laughs> that are also the sweetest looking trucks. Cyber truck and eat it. Yeah. So maybe like uh, maybe 10 years from now, I'll be able to afford one of those. Maybe but, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, so getting into real estate is also difficult, though, because it typically requires a pretty large sum of cash that right. you need as a down payment. Right. So um, there's more of a barrier to entry for that because it can take years uh, to save up that down payment in order to buy your first rental property. There are other ways to go about it. Uh, you know, Matt, we've talked about this before. Living in a property and then buying another property to live in and then renting out that first house makes it a little bit easier at mm-hmm. least. Um, but yeah, that's something that you need to consider. It takes sacrifice, right, as you cut back and work to save up enough money to buy that first house though. Uh, that's part of the reason I think why a lot of people look to Airbnb as an easier method to trying out rental properties. And it definitely can be a great way to get a taste. Yeah. Uh, but when you decide to rent out a room in your home or even buy another place to list on Airbnb, it's it's more of a hospitality play than just a purely real estate investing play. Uh, you're part real estate investor and part hotel manager when you start hosting on Airbnb. Uh, that being said, there are systems that you can put in place that can make your Airbnb listings function more like passive income. And we talked about that more on episode 253 with Ziana McIntyre, who has literally made her living uh, owning properties and renting them out on yeah. Airbnb, helping other people do the same thing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's what she does now. Yeah, she, she's turned it into a career. But I will say, yeah, a lot of that income is passive, but some of that income is very active on her part. But Airbnb is definitely something that's worthwhile to consider um, if you're looking to generate more passive income in your life and to use, again, like we talked about earlier, some of the assets that you already have on hand. If you have a house <laughs> and you have a room that you could rent out or you have a basement that you could outfit make it a little bit nice and rent that out on a nightly basis, you can make some real returns doing that. That's right, man. Yeah. And so as we kind of graduate to to higher levels of difficulty, let's talk about uh, starting your own business. (laughs) That's... Dude, starting your own business is probably going to be the most difficult way to generate passive income. You know, it's often going to be the most risky, as creating your own thing from scratch will will require the most time and the most money. But it also has the upside to potentially generating the most income. And you know, I think that's also a fair trade. You know, like there's virtually no risk involved, say, with earning interest from your money uh, in a savings account. But there's also virtually no reward. <laughs> it's appropriate that those who are committing the most time and the most money towards something that isn't necessarily proven, that they have the potential to realize the, the biggest profits, the biggest rewards. 
Yeah, we have talked about that there are ways to start your own business with even less money. But still, uh, you're going to require a ton of time to start any business that you're looking to launch. But for a lot of businesses, we're talking about both. <laughs> and yeah. like, while we don't see owning your own business uh, as a, a way to earn passive income, because like we said, it's going to take a lot of energy on your part. It is a method to generate income by trading time for money, which is what a lot of us have to do for a lot of our lives. But if we do it well with good planning, you can eventually step back from the day-to-day operations of that business, and you can turn it into an avenue that produces income without you having to commit to working on that business every day, right? And, and maybe even, depending on what kind of business you, you, you start, you can potentially even sell that business someday in the future or sell part of the ownership or hire someone to do the day-to-day managing while you take more of a backseat role. I mean, there, there are all these ways when you start a business that you can use it to generate income for a whole lot of years and then find ways to kind of pull back in order to make that business income a little more passive than active. Matt, it makes me think of, of a friend I have a uh, much older friend, and he had his own business that he ran for years, he and his wife, and they cleaned houses. And they did great work. They built up a, a large list of clients in the town where that they served. But eventually he wanted to retire. And it's not that that business had to fold, just go away completely. He not only made money for all of those years running that business, but that business was worth a lot at the end of yeah. the day. And so he was able to sell that business to someone else. And that points a finger to the fact that you can eventually uh, score passive income based on the business you built. And at the same time, it doesn't have to be a super sexy tech startup. You know, exactly. It could be something you know, where you're just offering a service exactly. to folks. Uh, dude, one other thing. You know, one of the myths about passive income, I think, is that if you get your fingers in enough money-making ventures, that you'll essentially be getting paid uh, in enough different ways that if one of your businesses maybe isn't doing so hot, you're still going to do okay financially, right? But oftentimes, I think you might be spreading yourself too thin and you won't make enough money if you're kind of going this you know, jack-of-all-trades route to generating multiple streams of income. That being said, there's nothing wrong with trying out some different approaches and seeing what works for you. But you know, just don't forego diving deep uh, when when times get a little rough. You know, When you don't immediately start making money, don't immediately try to hit the easy button and kind of switch over to the next opportunity where you think it's going to be easier. Uh, it does require work. And, I th- and again, this is one of the reasons that I feel like the platforms, the different apps, the different you know sites where you can log on, create an account, offer uh, a course or start publishing a podcast. I feel like that they almost do a disservice to people digging in deep to whatever it is that they are, are pursuing almost as if they're making it too easy for folks to, to try things out and they kind of give up maybe a little too easily. I like it because it gives a lot of folks a taste of it, but at the same time, it's sort of, I almost see it as a negative because it's kind of like, well, that didn't work out. Well, this didn't work out. And it sort of, I don't know, it creates this perpetual like hopping from one thing to the other and in search of uh, a golden goose, something that's going to be able to significantly provide them uh, with some income. Yeah, if you just create one podcast episode, throw it up there, and you, you hope to see that the passive income rolling in, that's just not how it works, right? That 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 is truly the myth behind passive income. It really does take a lot of work. So, so you really have to go into your pursuit of passive income with eyes wide open, knowing that it'll take real effort to establish something that you can benefit from for years to come. It's the opposite of striking it rich quick. Ultimately, the truth about passive income is that it's never 100% passive, except for investing in the markets regularly via your paycheck or ACH from your bank account to an IRA. But it is possible to work harder now in order to gain and share your knowledge with others by creating content that they're willing to pay for, or to study your local real estate market and save up enough to purchase that first rental property, or even to identify a need in the market where you can step in and fill the gap with your service or product uh, with the business that you create. Money will always flow to creative problem solvers. So leverage your hard work now, and it'll pay dividends as steady income for years to come. And that, we would say, is worth pursuing. That's where the reality of passive income can actually be realized in all of our lives, right? I think uh, we need to maybe avoid some of the clickbait headlines and videos that we see and realize that passive income, it's not a myth, um, but it is much harder to achieve than a lot of people out there want you to think that it is. 100% true, dude. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's shift gears. Let's get back to our beer on this episode. Uh, You and I, we enjoyed, we each enjoyed a Radix, which is a German style Pilsner uh, from the folks over at Halfway Crooks here in Atlanta. Uh, Dude, what were your thoughts on this beer? So I always thought that I didn't really like 
Pilsners very much. And I think it was because the only Pilsners I'd ever had in my life were the giant macro brewers. Yep. Right? Like, uh, <laughs> had, had my fair share of High Lifes and PBRs back in the day. Um, and, and yeah, they, they were fine. Like, I didn't mind drinking them at a, at a show, you know, at a concert. They were fine for the times. Yeah, but I, I didn't realize that I actually like Pilsners. A craft Pilsner can actually be really tasty. Yes. And Halfway Crooks uh, did an awesome job on this one. It's super clean, super delicious. This is actually the exact kind of beer I want while I'm sitting on my porch on a fine summer's day. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, as we poured it, it's uh, it's got a nice golden color to it uh, with a nice fluffy head, uh, which kind of gets me to the flavor. I feel like it almost drinks like a like a kind of fluff, light biscuity, yeah. uh, kind of like flavor profile going on. Really delicious. While at the same time, though, because it is kind of a local craft uh, brewery who's making this, it doesn't have that metallic-y, just old stanky pilsner <laughs> flavor that we associate with metallic is the exact best way to put it yeah like, with, with like the one, macro beers yes like you can expect that out and of this some one of doesn't those. have that and this one like it's got all those biscuity flavors going on but at the same time it's still really fresh and kind of kind of green tasting i'm glad you and i got to enjoy one of these today and dude that's going to be it for this episode uh listeners can find our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com we'll make sure to link to any of the previous episodes we've referenced or any of the resources as well yeah, and if you're new around these parts, uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you get notified of each episode that we release. We release Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and we'd love to have you on board as a part of the How to Money community. So, all right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.